Hello, is this on? <laughs> well, church, this is pretty interesting. Um, God loves you guys so much because I had no idea what Beth is talking about. And I can probably guess that Beth had no idea what I was talking about today. But I am talking about being driven by the faithfulness of God. Yeah, so this is going to be pretty awesome. <laughs> um, I'm going to start off also by praying. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for your, your goodness and your grace and your mercy, God. Thank you, God, that you called each and every one of us here today to come, listen to your word, and draw closer to you in intimacy. God, I thank you for Beth. God, I thank you for the words and the, the wisdom and the revelation that she gave us of what it means to actually have great faith, Father God. And I thank you, God, right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you will give me words to help explain how we need to be driven not by our faithfulness, but your faithfulness, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I begin, I would like to share three things about myself that I think might be helpful for the little journey we're about to take together. Number one, I want you all to know that I love to laugh. So don't be shocked if you hear some spontaneous laughing in today's talk. Number two, I want you all to know that I usually express my enthusiasm in a loud voice. So if I raise my voice today, it's because I'm excited about God's promises for each and every one of you, or because I'm just downright mad about the lies that the enemy sells us to try to get us not to go deeper with Jesus, and I'm not having it. Number three, I want you all to know that I encourage you to respond out loud if that's how you like to respond. I may throw out some amens. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. And I, I encourage you to participate if you would like to engage. One, yes, come on. Yes. <laughs> One thing that I am grateful about City Church is that our mission is come as you are. I think it's so beautiful that I can come as I am today before you all, and that we can come as we are as we press forward for more intimacy with God this week. Thank you, Lord. Now, at the time in which I was preparing for this conference, I was going through a unique season that pushed me and is still pushing me to consider what walking in intimacy with God requires. It requires for us to lean in on his faithfulness. In the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. He addresses them as those sanctified in Christ Jesus, just those called to be God's holy people, and simply those who call on the name of Jesus. Paul then goes on to thank God for them because of the grace that Christ Jesus has given to them, acknowledging that they are enriched in every way and not lacking in any spiritual gift reminding them that they reminding them that God has every intention to keep them firm until the end. Then in 1 Corinthians 1:9, Paul says, "God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord." Church, 
I believe that this is our personal invitation to intimacy with God. It is important to see that God is the subject within this scripture and that his faithfulness does not rely on us. He extends the invitation to fellowship and to grow in intimacy with God to everyone. In fact, in John 3.16, God says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I wholeheartedly believe that if you are sitting in this room, the invitation to greater intimacy with God is awaiting you. Whether you have already accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you are here to refocus your heart on the Lord, or to gain freedom in an area of sin, or whether you are someone that is here sitting today for the first time considering whether or not you would like to accept Jesus Christ into your heart for the first time, submitting the will of your life to God, allowing the Holy Spirit to whisper God's identity over you and his affirmations over you, I want to welcome you and I want to say his intimacy is here. So the first thing we're going to do is defining what faithfulness is. So as we consider how we lean in on God's faithfulness, we must define what being faithful means as we look at God. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a different version, aren't we thankful? (laughs) So if you use this version, you might have already seen this definition. Um, The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines faithful in several different ways, each in which I believe are in line with who we know God to be based on Scripture. The first definition is steadfast. To be steadfast in affection or allegiance, someone who is loyal. Psalms 117 verses 1 to 2 says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Exalt him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us. Praise the Lord. Lamentations 3:22 to 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, God. The next definition is firm in adherence to promises. I'm going to say that again. The next definition is firm in adherence to promises or in observance of duty. We know that when we looked at Jesus, who was, who was firm in, in observing the duty of dying on the cross of us, right? Amen. Joshua 21.45 says, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 12, we see where God's promises to Abraham at the age of 75 that he would become a father of many nations, and that he would give Abraham a lot of descendants, and in the future that they would become great nations, and even some of them would become kings, and the promise that God would always keep his promise, right? The promise that God would always keep his promise that he made to Abraham and his descendants, and that he would give Abraham land. It wasn't until 25 years later that Abraham and Sarah's son, I, and it wasn't until 25 years later that Abraham and Sarah's son Isaac was born when Sarah was 90 years old. And it wasn't until 200 years later 
that the Israelites made it to Egypt to begin their journey into the promised land. There are so many examples in the Bible where we see God deliver his people and stick true to his promises. The next definition is given, given with strong assurance to be binding. Philippians 1.6, and I'm excited about this one because I, I'm leaning in on this promise. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Our God's promises are binding. The last definition is to be true to the facts, to a standard or to an original. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I thank God that he is the truth, that Jesus is the truth, and that we don't have to look anywhere else to have truth. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see that God's faithfulness has not changed. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. In the New Testament, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. As children of God who live in a fallen world, we are used to experiencing unfaithfulness. We have become accustomed to being let down, accustomed to colleagues, friends, spouses, and family members not keeping their word. This has led many of us to become self-sufficient. If that is you or has ever been you, I want to remind you that God is not man. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and did not act? Ooh, I lost myself here. <laughs> Does he promise and not fulfill? God's people, this is something to be excited about. This is something to give praise about. Our revelation of God's faithfulness should not be based on our personal experience or feelings, but on the word of God alone. Thank you, God. Now that we have established a basis for God's faithfulness and how, because of his faithfulness, we have a never-ending invitation to enter into fellowship and intimacy with him, let's explore how we can respond to God's faithfulness. So, somebody really wise once told me that faith is a two-sided coin. The first side of the coin is where we are believing strongly in God's promises, standing our ground, waiting expectantly in excitement and in confidence that God will do what he said he would do. Sometimes we're even walking in the actual promise in constant gratitude and joy of what God is clearly doing before our eyes. If you are in here today and this is you in the season that you are walking in, I want to thank the Lord for you and I want to thank the Lord for the way that he has equipped for you and provided for you. And, that, and how he has given you awareness to see his mighty deeds. And I also want to encourage you to not keep quiet about your testimony of God's faithfulness. The second side of the coin is a much different side. 
It is the side where we can not see God's faithfulness, and we are called to trust in his character. This is the side of the coin in which I will be focusing the rest of our time this morning. Now, searching for God's faithfulness in our lives. It is important for us to be intentional in reminding ourselves about how the Lord has been faithful to each and every one of us. Another wise man once shared with me, what you meditate on, you magnify. And what you magnify controls you. I'm going to repeat it back again. What you meditate on in your mind, you magnify in your thoughts. And what you magnify will control the way that you act. If you find yourselves meditating on how you were overlooked for the promotion that you worked so hard for, or that time you were in desperate need and needed a financial blessing, but it didn't arrive on time, or how you've been praying for someone who you love to have freedom and salvation, and things just appear to be getting worse, I want to encourage you right now that you need more than anything to be reminded of how God has been faithful to you and to those who you love. If you begin to meditate on how God has been faithful to you, you will magnify that in your thoughts and you will walk in faith and in confidence in what the Lord has called you to do. Brothers and sisters, if you are anything like me, then you may need some help in remembering Here are some practical actions that have helped me identify and remember the faithfulness of God in my life. Number one, most of you guys probably know this, but it's good to say it again. Keep a journal. Come on, I heard it. (laughs) Write down your prayer requests and share your heart with God through writing. Church, I'm not going to lie to you. You guys just had the writer who came up. I am allergic to writing. (laughs) I do not like writing. He has called me into a profession where I have to write, and I don't like it a lot of the time. But if I am being honest with you, the times that I have been patient and taking the time to journal, it was more than worth it. Today, I have two journals filled with the things that God has said to me, his thoughts of wanting to give me a future and a hope. So many of God's promises to me have been fulfilled in the short six years that I have been able to call him Abba Father. Number two, acknowledge his faithfulness in prayer. When I first became a Christian and was learning to pray, my small group leader taught me how to pray and ask prayer. A, adoration. Tell God how much you love him. Acknowledge his character. C, confess your sins and repent. T, thanksgiving. Thank God for all the wonderful things he has done. S, supplication. Bring requests for yourself and others. This simple acronym really revolutionized my prayer time. Instead of bringing just my needs to God, instead of just giving my heart to God about the things that aren't going well, it forces me to say that, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. God, that you are the faithful one. God, that you are the provider. It helps me meditate on who God is aside from my circumstances. 
As children of God, we need to have a prayer life where we are saying, God, I know that this is your character, that despite my unfaithfulness to you, God, you still have been faithful to me, and this is how. Because you are faithful to me in these things, I now bring you these requests because I know you care. Thank you, God, that we have the ability to pray that way. Number three, be in community. It is amazing how when your mind is clouded by negative thoughts and doubts, how community can point out things to you that will show you God's faithfulness in your life. Part of having good community is allowing people to witness that adventure that you are going on with God, sharing with them the highs and the lows, sharing with them the highs and the lows of your walk, and being open to them, not just mourning with you when you mourn, but speaking the word of God into your life and reminding you where God has brought you from in those times of suffering and persecution. This requires having community that will be there for a long time. How can your community encourage you about where God has brought you from if all of your community is new? I'm hopping to this church and that church and this small group and that small group, and then there you go. You don't have any people that have longevity with you who can call things out in your life. Some of you need to fight to keep your community. When things get hard, it may not be God telling you that this friendship was just for a season. It may be God telling you that you, it may be God giving you an invitation to press in and fight. Last, look past material and physical things. Look for emotional and mental breakthroughs in your life. Has God freed you from the spirit of fear, from a season of depression? Has God given you a new ideal that's going to change the world? Has God allowed you to trust after your trust was violated? Don't forget to give God praise for the things that, you, that may not always be visible to the naked eye. He is faithful. Now, how to use your faith as your shield. Whether it is due to our minds being clouded with the distractions of the world or because we are impatient, we all struggle time to time to see God's faithfulness in our life. In fact, the enemy's plan is for each and every one of us here to believe that God is not faithful, for us to doubt God. The enemy wants us to doubt the promises of God the consequences of sin, and God's unconditional love for us. The enemy wants us to believe that sin, which ultimately leads to death, tastes better than life, which happens to be when we choose to die to sin. So we have life when we choose to die to sin, and the enemy wants us to believe that death tastes better than life. Did God really say no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Did you really say that, Lord? My thoughts early morning and late nights when I'm struggling with the thoughts of lust and desperately seeking permission and a justification to awaken love before it's time. Did God really say, 
And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But God, they hurt me so much. They violated my trust and took advantage of my vulnerability and desire to be seen and loved. Their actions were selfish and have left me with a tainted view of community and a pain-stinging feeling whenever they cross my mind. How could you possibly want me to forgive them when they aren't even willing to admit their shortcomings? Did God really say? And we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But God, how could you possibly use what Satan did to try to tear my family apart for your good? How could you take 10 years of dysfunctional relationships, anger, sadness, disappointment, greed, and grief, and possibly use it for your glory? The truth is that God really did say each and every one of those things and so many more in his word. The truth is that God has called us to faithfulness despite our circumstances. In Revelation 2, 10 through 11, God says to the church of Smyrna, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is good news. The reality of this life is that as a Christian, we have been promised that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, but we have also been promised that we will go through suffering and persecution. Because God said to expect suffering and persecution for his name's sake, I believe that we have to shift our view of what entering the promised land looks like. Psalm 91.4 says, He will cover you with his feathers, And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. In Ephesians 6, Apostle Paul exhorts us to be strong in the Lord and in his power and to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 16 says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Thank you, Lord, that you have not forsaken us. Thank you, Lord, that the same God who is faithful, who invites us into fellowship, is the same God who vows to shield us with his faithfulness in times of trouble. There's something there, church. Becoming faithful. Growing up, I did not receive much affection of, or love from my father. Though my mother showered me with love and affection, there was something inside of me that felt empty because I did not receive it from my father. And I'm not going to lie, he's actually calling me right now. <laughs> God! <laughs> wow. 
come on to Jesus. Yes. Though my father was present, put a roof over my head, encouraged me to love education, and taught me discipline, he was never one to say I love you or to, or to embrace me with a hug, to meet my tears with a hug, to tell me that I am beautiful, to tell me that I am unique, to tell me that I am one in a million. Year after year, my desire for that affection grew, and I looked deeper and deeper into my friends at school to give me their affection and approval, the approval that I was longing for my father. My identity became based upon how much my friends liked me, whether guys found me attractive or not, how many people saw that I was smart. I did anything and everything to try to upkeep this false identity so that I would feel seen and valued. It wasn't until my first year of college that my knowledge of God was transformed into my heart. I began to feel the love of God ooze over me. I began to believe that I was wonderfully and fearfully made, that God loved me unconditionally, that he was truly for me, that if he was for me, who could be against me? This love transformed how I lived my life and allowed me to forgive my father and show him grace. Yeah, that's good. It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> I don't want to dance in front of y'all here because God is good. Um, growing up in Haiti without a father, my dad did not have an example of what a good father looked like. To him, being married to my mom and providing a roof over his children's head was what being a good father was. Also, as an atheist, my father could not possibly know how to love me because... The Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. If he has not accepted God's love and been transformed by God's love, how could he possibly know how to love me well? Though my father is still an atheist, God has been moving so much in our relationship. Though our converse, through our conversations here while I've lived in Madison, God has showed me that my father is a friendly man, has great integrity, is giving, worries about my well-being, and is a man of great wisdom. Even at the end of our phone calls, even though he doesn't say I love you, he says take care, which I know in his heart does mean I love you. <laughs> Guys, this gets better. <laughs> this gets better. The first time my dad came to Madison five years ago was because he had to drive me all the way up here from Miami for a summer program. Since I started school here two years ago, I have been hinting for my dad to come visit me, but he always would say that he does not have to come. Whenever my dad would take vacations from work, he would visit other countries and not even care to tell me ahead of time, leaving me to hear his voicemail only to later figure out from my older brother that he's out of town. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let me tell you, though God has healed me and has taught me to have grace, I still struggle with the desire to be chosen by my dad. But now, just two weeks ago, my dad called me and told me that he was going to take a vacation in a couple weeks and that he felt in his heart that it would be wrong for him to take vacation without coming to see me. Thank you, God. Yeah. I cannot tell you all how much I leap for joy. Two days later, when my father called back to confirm his flight itinerary, I became ecstatic. 
I remember hopping out of bed, running to wash the dishes, thinking about all the ways I wanted to be productive before my father came. Sisters and brothers, my father is learning how to be faithful to me, how to love me well. His faithfulness towards me makes me want to be faithful with doing things that I know will honor him and make him proud. In the same way, when God shows us his faithfulness, we, wish, we should respond by being more faithful to him. If I could have the worship team come up. Though God is the only one who can be faithful all the time, he calls us to increase in faithfulness toward him. It's not about how big our faith is. It's about how many times we say yes and act in faith in what God is calling us to do. Matthew 25, 1 through 13, the parable of the ten virgins. At the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in the jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, Go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the date, or the hour. Church, I want to ask you to stand with me as I close an Acts prayer for us. We'll all get to practice together today. Jesus, I want to acknowledge and I want to thank you for being who you are. God, I want to thank you for being a faithful God I want to thank you for being a God that has plans for a future and a hope for each and every person in this room. I want to thank you that you are a God who is faithful and that invites each and every one of us to fellowship with you, God. I want to confess that we are unfaithful people, God, that we are unfaithful generation, God. I want to repent, God, for the times that you have called us to act out on faith, and God, that we have cowered away, that we have hidden, God. I want to repent on behalf of all of us, God, for the times that we have allowed our hurt, our pain, and the enemy's distortion of your faithfulness to keep us from going deeper in intimacy with you, Lord. But God, I want to thank you that we are at this conference. I want to thank you for each and every person who has walked through this door. And I want to thank you that they are not here for no reason. God, I want to thank you that because they are here, you want to meet each and every one of them with your intimacy, God. I, God, I pray whether or not they're here for the first time wanting to be intimate with you and accepting you into their hearts as, as, their Lord, as your Lord and Savior, um, God, or God, whether it's um, those of us who 
are struggling to push past a dry spell or who are considering whether or not to take that step of faith, God, I pray that you would speak so intimately and deeply to our hearts, Lord. And God, I just want to say we invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you into this altar. We invite you into this space. Those who have been hurt, those who have been abused emotionally, physically, God, those who have been sexually abused, mentally abused, God, those who had their trust violated, and because of that, God, they lost their lack of, they lost faith in you because they believe, how could a God do this? How could a God allow this? God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that those obstacles would come down right now. God, I pray that this altar would be a place of healing, God. I pray because of your faithfulness, God, all we have to do is come. God, that's what you say in your word, that all we have to do is have faith the size of a mustard seed. You weren't really trying to have us pay attention to the size of faith. You were just saying any faith. He is looking for people with any faith. God, there's people who need to take faith to go to a counselor. God, there's people who need to, t- to take a step of faith and submit an area of their lives that they've been holding back from you, God. God, I pray that this altar would be a space. God, that healing would happen. God, that revelation of your faithfulness would happen, God. And that so many, in so many ways, God, that what the enemy has taken from us as God's people would be redeemed because you are a God of redemption. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord.